Okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Kevin. I appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Um, we try to interview uh, entrepreneurs, creatives, uh, people in business, and really just you know expose it to our customers and to our subscribers. So um, why don't you just tell us kind of like, you know, how did you get started in this business and, uh, you know, what was your path? Um, how did I get started? Uh, that, that could probably take up this whole podcast. Um, I started homebrewing like most most brewery owners do. Um, I started back in 1995 um, on a hot plate in a dorm room in college. And uh, that summer I... Um, actually worked for my first microbrewery. It was Steamship Brewing Company down the street on 24th Street, about two blocks from where we're located right now, um, and, and really fell in love with it. Um, it did take me many years later to actually do my own thing, but bef between that time and now, uh, I worked for credit card, I sold credit card processing, I worked <clears throat> in the restaurant business, I, um, I worked for Cisco Foods, um, and uh, all that kind of built up to where I am now, and that was selling products out to restaurants and, and, and things like that, um, which really kind of, I guess, set me up for what I do right now, and that was make beer and, and, uh, and sell it out to the market. Um, I love what I do, and uh, slowly and steadily been growing ever since, so. Yeah, totally. So. I mean, you said 94? 95. 95. Yeah. So, I mean, what was the landscape like back then for, I mean, home brewing or just like craft brewing? Like, what was it like back then compared to now? Oh, way different. Way different. Uh, back then there was, I don't know, maybe 600, 700 breweries in America. Um, there was not, there's only a handful of homebrew shops you could shop at. Um, it was totally different than the way it is now. Um, I mean, fast forward to today, uh, there's almost 7,000 breweries in America. I mean, we were the first ones on the south side to open up in almost 20 years. And I think there's a total, in all of Hampton Roads, there's, I think there's a total of 30 of us now. Hmm. So it's definitely boomed since. Um, during the mid-90s, into 95, 96, 97, 98, um, that was the first craft beer bubble. And... When we started, you know, technically founded the company in 2009. At the end of 2009, we brewed our first batch, St. Patrick's Day 2010. That was the start of the next boom that we're currently in right now. So nine years, we just had our anniversary. So nine years later, um, it, it, it's really skyrocketed from about 1,500 breweries to where we are now, about 7,000 breweries. Congratulations. And how do you kind of think about, like the new products that you offer, the new recipes, I mean, like, how do you decide what makes it out and, you know, like, kind of give a little bit of insight on, on the, the assortment that you have? Well, I always joke, um, you know, this industry, or what I'm kind of pushed back into now, it's, it's really become 95% business and 5% beer. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if they're in here any right now, but they're right <laughs> here, but, uh, you know, I have my brewer's boots around here somewhere, and I haven't been on the brew platform in a long time, mm -hmm. um, which sucks. I hate to say it like that. It's because uh, yeah, that's really where my passion is—is is out there. Um, but you know, like any business, I we were—I've managed to put a great team around me, 
and um, even throughout the years I've had some really great guys that have helped me get to different positions or different points I guess in the business life and now we have a really great team that we're it's very collaborative um, how big is the team I think we're about 50 plus employees now yeah wow so it's uh, it's definitely you can, you can you still recognize you know oh, everyone yeah, on the team? I know everybody now <laughs> and, uh, that, that was actually so I heard 30 is like the number where it's like I mean our team's three yeah so it's really small but it's well, that's like, how it was when we first started you know it's just me and one other person and then we, we had a couple part-timers start coming in and then um, you know, we started getting people trained up to brew beer uh, some some of the original staff um, had gone on to work for places like Southern Tier and Victory um, you know some of we have one that's doing really well in Richmond uh, at the Vale um, we have some now that have moved on to Guinness. Uh, so it's really cool to see them come from homebrew situations, work their way up, and have now grown and blossomed into these into some really great breweries. Um, and I was fortunate enough to retain great talent and, and bring in some new talent from other big companies that have now helped us uh, kind of streamline and be more efficient uh, as we grow. Um, and again, it's a business, and you know we want to keep it creative as much as possible. Um, but we always always have to look at how we're buying. Can we be better at what we're doing and things like that? Um, but I mean, the creative process right now. You know, we when we first started, it was uh, we were just we were very, and I still am very production brewery minded. You know, making products, packaging packaging the products, and shipping them out. Um, when we started, the tasting room laws weren't around. Senate Bill 604, which we helped lobby for, uh, that kind of really ushered in this new era of, especially Virginia craft beer. And it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know, it's another you know revenue stream. If talking business, but it's uh, but it's really allowed us to bring the community in to our doors and really showcase what we're doing mm-hmm. and seeing uh, the process. Meeting the people, um, really, really. Hopefully, they're enjoying their experience, and then, uh, and then going off and hopefully buying our products outside. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, having such a big facility, and we're churning out things like El Guapo and our seasonals and stuff like that. We've had IPA. Uh, yeah, they, uh, <clears throat> you, know, you see some of the smaller breweries come up, and you know. I always say jealousy is a, is a negative term, um, but it's uh, but I guess a little bit of envy is how flexible they were. Uh, they could make new beers all the time because they were making them on such small systems. Um, that was one of the great things we did. Uh, so the pilot system, I mean, it's allowed us to um, try new things out, really get a sense of what the customer thinks, um, and really just kind of spreading our wings even further. You know, again, when we start getting pigeonholed into this, all they do is make a guapo or this is that, you know, you start to feel like you can become one dimensional. Mm. Um, I don't want these guys out there to ever lose creativity and coming up with new ideas. Um, So I get a chance to sit down with the brewers and hear their thoughts of what they would like to do. Um, And then we kind of go around a round table and kind of get the rest to be developed um, before we put it up there, um, because after after the recipe is done and what we think it's going to taste like and what we uh, what we get very excited about, we have to move it to marketing to see what they get excited about and how they're going to put this package together for us. 
uh, whether it's going to go just into the tasting room only or if it's going to go out to market and what's it going to look like and how's it going to exude with our brand and stuff like that. So the pilot system has been a lot of fun. It, it's, it's keeping us a little bit flexible, um, keeping the creativity up and uh, hopefully allowing us to push the boundaries and showcasing the fact that you know we are growing and we're trying to innovate as much as possible. And so you touched on something really interesting about spending more time with the business and kind of less time on the creative. Like, how do you kind of think about that? Like, I mean, obviously you you enjoy the business side, mm -hmm. or you can uh, tolerate it in uh, some capacity. Uh, have you ever thought of bringing another business person to handle more of the business side of it, and then you just only do the you know creative stuff? Or like, how do you kind of think about that uh, kind of? It's like two sides of the brain almost. Yeah, so I, so I, my, my father is the CFO. Uh, my wife uh, is the head of marketing, but she's also the vice president. Um, and between those two, they're a lot smarter than me. <laughs> Good and, call. <laughs> uh, uh, we brought in, um, he was a process engineer from Ballast Point, uh, which is probably the third or fifth largest brewery uh, in America. Um, he is now the director of brewing operations, and I see some future ahead with him. Um, he looks at things more in a engineer's mind, mathematically, and numbers don't lie, that kind of thing. Um, I'm kind of the one who just spitballs a million and one ideas out, and then he kind of sits there and sees if it's feasible, I guess. So I've kind of pushed myself that far up. Yeah, yeah, I, I was told a long time ago by a friend of mine, he's a lot in a much larger brewery, um, but he's uh, you know, get yourself as fast as you can up to thirty thousand square, uh, thirty thousand feet up, so you can look down on everything and see how everything's going. And I've taken that to heart because this industry is moving a mile a minute. And as I try to stay uh, ahead of everybody or or on trend or anything like that, it, I'm lucky to have those three components underneath me, really just taking care of things, making sure that you know the the books are balanced and making sure that I'm getting the right reports to see to make decisions if I have to make a decision. Um, knowing that we're looking at, again, efficiencies over there on the production side, knowing that our tasting room management staff is keeping the tasting room steady flowing. And we have a uh, events manager with Sarah. She's bringing in a lot of people. So um, I've gotten to the point where it's really become kind of a nine to five job and, uh, and it allows me more creativity to kind of sit back and kind of look at the big picture and where I want to be in the next five years. So I'm kind of there now, um, but I guess I'm still the president. And I guess from, a, you hit on a couple of things that I, I want to also expand on. So, so where do you want to be in five years? Just that was a You know, I, uh, I always, I, I set up, I don't know if it's me not dreaming big enough, because um, I never thought I'd be this far. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing and I'm humbled by the fact that we've won, you know, many, many awards. We've, uh, we've grown a brand like El Guapo to be in the number one six pack in Virginia. Um, I never thought that would ever happen. Um, but now that we've gotten this far, um, it's really to kind of look at how much bigger, with the headwinds of all these breweries, how much bigger can we get to be a regional player? Um, 
I mean, right now we're sold in parts of Maryland, DC, all Virginia, and parts of North Carolina. How much further can we go? And again, that me up here looking down, um, and again, another great one is our director of sales, Ashley. She, you know, I talk to her probably every day. Where do we see a new market? Can is this viable for us? Um, you know, what can keep us looking cool? What can is there an appetite for more of O'Connor beer down there or out there, wherever it's gonna go? Um, yeah, I really don't know right now. I mean, it's definitely a- That's a fair answer. Yeah, it's definitely- That's a long time away too. It is. It's a, uh, I just, I, I, I think now I'm to the point where I would just like to put a uh, kind of a stamp on Hampton Roads of this is who we are. You know, when you come down to visit, whether you're coming to the oceanfront or you're coming to Norfolk, or you're just coming in town just to check us out, it, you, you know O'Connor Brewing Company when you get here. It's like that iconic thing you have to yeah. do, like, like what is it, like C's Candy in San Francisco yeah, or something like exactly. that. Like, I don't know, I always remember that as a kid, like, you know, I get a box from, you know, my family on the West Coast. No, that's good. So... Um, what's it like with the team and the structure and the leadership like were you always a manager did you have to learn like by trial or like how did you become like I guess I guess I'm asking how did you become a leader uh, I come from a family of entrepreneurs um, so it was always kind of instilled in me you know your your typical get a good education Uh, but with us it was get a good education um, find out what you're passionate about uh, go after it, tooth and nail, uh, create your own destiny. And my father uh, was a very successful entrepreneur, and so working with him at such a young age, I mean, you know, sweeping his floors at 12 kind of thing, and, uh, and moving up the ranks in his company, I was, you know, I didn't never had to take a Dale Carnegie class. It was always uh, something in me, I guess. Um, what was his company? Uh, he owned an auto part chain around here. Uh, it was called Twinby Auto Parts. Mm-hmm. It had about 35 stores. Um, he got sold it in 1999. Uh, but that was something where I, I was forced into a situation to manage stores or manage the warehouse, uh, deal with people that are older than me, um, uh, really just kind of get into the, the forefront of what we're doing um, and how we're, you know, being a part of that. Um, and I tell you, you know, starting your own business and talking to banks and getting told no, especially when there was no industry around to, for a bank or a lawyer or anything like that to kind of look at or outside investment or anything like that. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't see what I saw. So the passion can get you so far, but I think articulating it and, and kind of commanding, hey, this is going to work, this is going to work, um, I think kind of pushed me into where I'm at right now. Um, we have put layers underneath, uh, and I think we've hired some really great people that I trust. Um, I don't think they're going to make any wrong decisions or, or decisions that I wouldn't make. Um, again, the tasting room management staff is great. Um, the events manager is awesome. Uh, we have a girl who handles all of our charitable givings and stuff like that, um, all the way to the production crew, the layers over there, and they all are looking after. I guess unbeknownst to me, they all seem to be looking at the bottom line and what they can do to keep this company growing. And you know, as I keep explaining to them, the more we grow, you know, I like to tell everybody that I have a million dollars in a mattress somewhere in my house, but you know, we want to keep 
giving it out. You know, we want to keep raising people up. We want to keep giving better salaries and you know, we offer 401k and things like that. So it's really become a business and we've put a good team of attorneys and accountants together. And But that took almost 10 years. And now I just kind of, I feel good of where we are right now. Nice. And <clears throat> I guess for, um, in, like in your case, you're, you know, you're at this high level, you're able to work on the business. I mean, is there anything that I guess when you're transitioning from, because in the beginning, it, I mean, it kind of feels like you're in the business and you're working on it a lot, yeah, right? Sometimes like, I still feel like that. Mm-hmm. But how do you deal with that? Like, what is the, what is the way to? I, I don't know if it's level up or just become more strategic. Is, is that a, is that a mindset or is that a, is that a hack where you just you have to, kind of start getting advisors or you know mentors or like how do you think about that? So I'm lucky enough to have a pool of mentors um, a lot of I consider them like uncles to me because I've known them and they're all kind of titans of their own industry um, a lot of them are obviously my father's friends and things like that um, I think they like to listen to me about some of the pitfalls that I've had um, my dad's obviously one that I can, I can sit back and talk to you all the time um, even my wife she was a very successful um, in her in her previous life with American Express, and um, you know, she's very methodical in the way she thinks. I'm very ADD, so I kind of just float from here to here to there, and what am I going to do today? And um, and I've had to make lists and things like that. Um, but you know, back in the day, like you said, you know, working in the business, um, you get locked into a mode of if I don't do it it's not going to get done right. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of back yourself off and lead by example first. Um, like I'll ask a million questions. I learned that from my grandmother. Um, you always ask a million questions. And then once you finish that, you always ask at least one more. And if they, you know, the old saying, there's not a dumb question or not a stupid question, only dumb answers and things like that. And so I've always questioned, and it's funny because we've had vendors come in here and I said, well, what about this? Or what about that? And they're like, well, we never thought of it like and then all of a sudden, they're they're changing their way of doing business because I came up with a different idea, and they're like, "That's pretty amazing what you just said." So, um, and I think as when I and I'm very inclusive, so when I when I do stuff like that, and I bring the managers around, and they, I guess when they hear me talk, and and I question them, and want them to come back with some you know, great questions, um, I think with that they see what I'm doing, so. I think they're starting to ask the same questions. When I walk out there uh, and I see trash on the ground, I make sure I'm picking it up so that when they see me, I see them now picking up trash when they're walking to and from the tasting room back to the production. It's a it's a sense of pride for me, but I really want to instill in our in our staff that I'm not above anything in this company. I will sweep. I will do whatever it takes to make this place clean, or I'll do whatever it takes to make a sale or I'll do whatever it takes to get something done and I want them to feel that that I'm going to do it that I expect them to do it as well how about like fundraising and like capital like did you always kind of did you have the capital that you needed or did you have to go to banks friends family oh, man. Um, equity debt like what type how do you think about that all that world the uh, it's so challenging um, that is probably the worst thing for an entrepreneur um, 
the the many no's we're not doing this this is ridiculous you know weighing out like the banks and stuff like that and you're gonna need to put x amount down you might as well just you know give me your firstborn kind of thing and <laughs> we need you to mortgage out your house and all that kind of thing um we were extremely undercapitalized when we first started the business um I, I did. I worked the quintessential 18 hours. I mean, I wired the old brew house myself. I did a lot of the piping and the plumbing myself. Um, my neighbor knew how to weld, so call him up. Let's have a couple of beers. We're going to sit in the brewery till one o'clock in the morning and do this together, you know. And so finding those friends that could do stuff for me and finding those friends that uh, would be there for me and having a wife that would let me do that. You know, early on, you know, right now uh, we have an 11 year old and a eight year old. And luckily, the eight year old, when I was at, out at three o'clock in the morning, you know, at the brewery trying to get everything going and pulling my hair out and things like that, a lot of people didn't see that. And, you know, luckily my son, you know, my wife was able to stay home with my son and let me do this and get this thing going. Um, it's the, but back to fundraising, I mean, there's a million, you know, million ways to skin that cat, and we did it all. We 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 took out some, especially in this place, we took out some debt. We bought the building, so we had to get some. Uh, uh, we had to pull out some debt from the bank on that. Um, we brought in some uh, in outside investors, and some of the ones I was talking about are like my mentors. Yeah, uh, they really saw what I did at the other place and how we were growing, and you know. We have a building that can do 10 and I'm trying to do 15 right now and I can't, you know, and they saw that and they saw how we were running around the clock and they, how we were almost robbing Peter to pay Paul just to keep everything moving as fast as possible. And again, it's like right now, I mean, it's, we're moving a mile a minute still to this day, 10, almost 10 years later. And so they saw that I wasn't kidding and I knew it was going to be successful. I knew where I, I, I saw where we could go. And when I found this building, it really, I think, clicked. Like, this is what you want to do. This is the new the new business model uh, with the tasting room and everything like that, and having bands and having the community space for people to come in. They all they all bought in. They're like, this is great. So, uh, I, yep, I had to give away some equity, and that's fine with me. Um, I never had to own 100% of this business. I do own vast majority of the business sure uh, because I'm in the business day in and day out uh, but between you know my father and and some of these other people they I think they believe in me um, and I think you know for any entrepreneur coming up it really is telling in how strong you can be to deal with that you know there's plenty of money out there to to get to you know there's there's so many people like the group that I have that are willing to hear you out and if you you, know, you got all your ducks in a row that you know what you're talking about you're passionate about your product there's going to be people out there that are going to want to invest in people will empathize with you exactly and banks are the same way um, what were you using when you're raising I mean did you have a business plan or a pitch deck or were mm -hmm. you just bringing the beer out and like look taste oh, this <laughs> stuff like, like what was the, the what was the presentation like oh man the, the first presentation was homebrew beer uh, and we would br I would bring banks to my house and we'd sit on the back deck and drink beer and I would just talk. That's how a lot of it was. Of course I had the business plan and I had uh, 
some financials and but even back then uh, it was it's a very this business in particular is very hard because it's manufacturing so you know when you're trying to explain to somebody um, you know how many kegs of beer I needed to sell and or how many uh, accounts I needed to get and and that's basically what it was if I sold one keg every week I needed X amount of accounts buying these kegs once a week that would make me this much money and that would pay for my rent and that would pay for grain and that would pay for this and all that kind of thing and uh, then you get into it and you know you're you're just burning cash and then you know, we skidded off the bottom a little bit you know and then uh, and then all of a sudden it just started taking off what and what made it take off what's the turning point is there ever a I turning think, point oh yeah there's definitely a turning point I think the thing was with us was we made a great um, a great relationship uh, with a our biggest partner is uh, our distributor. I think they also saw something in us. You know, nowadays, and again, this was almost 10 years ago, so I mean, we had old wooden tab handles that I, me and my brother made by ourselves, kind of thing. This wasn't. You still we, have those? Oh, yeah, there's some from the wall right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. You, you can't do that now. You know, nowadays, if you don't come out looking spit shine and clean and, and, and proper and everything like that, um, Distributors won't take you seriously because mm-hmm. in Virginia you have to have a distributor, so they won't take you seriously if you don't have, um, you know, just your act together. Uh, I remember showing up in the president of our distributor's office, and I had one of those growlers, you know, the sixty-four ounce uh, jug of beer, and a wooden tab handle, and he sat there and he goes, "You know what? You're obviously passionate about this, and you're exciting to talk to," and. Uh, and he's, he's like, and I gotta be honest with you, the liquid's really good. It really is. It's it's really good, and uh, you can clean up your marketing, I guess, you know. And uh, at that time, I was like, "What are you talking about?" You know, my wooden tap handle. <laughs> like this is it. And I said, "Yeah, this is all you got." <laughs> but then I went out and I I I did. I was that guy who peddled beer. I went out and just talked to restaurants as much as I could, and they all just, you know, I was the only local guy at the time, so it was very easy, I guess, in that sense. Extremely exhaustive, but it was for them to, yeah, why not, we'll give you a shot. And then all of a sudden it just started sticking, people were buying it. And I still remember the day uh, I went over to uh, All Shucks Ever in Ghent. He was this old man. He had his, uh, the shipyard kind of like full jumpsuit on. And um, there was no one in there, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. I was having a, a sandwich at the bar and I was watching like ESPN or something like that. Kind of like right now, I was like watching March Madness and all of a sudden, um, this guy comes in he's like you got any of that O'Connor beer and uh, I was like whoa what is this guy you know and this guy told me walks up to me and he's like you're O'Connor and uh, and again completely the demographic I never thought I would hit and he's like I love this beer you know I've been drinking you know Bud Light since I was you know 12 years old or whatever the case may be it's just <laughs> like you know and I uh, but I love it and I really want I want to support you and uh and I remember hearing that, and that's when I think I was like, man, this is crazy. You know, I got the people out there that I would never dream that would drink this product, drinking it. Um, I think we are one of the most diverse, We I think we bring in the most diverse crowd in all of Hampton Roads, because I'm born and raised here, I'm a public school kid, um, 
you know, I got friends that work still work at the brickyard that I went to high school with. I said, you know, I say hi to every day. <laughs> um, but I've always wanted to be communal and bring people in, and and we're seeing that. And I think that's another thing is that we have, I think we've casted such a wider net, and we're we're again going back to inclusive. Um, it's really starting to see that this walk of life that comes into the building, and it's just like everybody's just laughing, everybody's having a good time everybody's drinking the beers, everybody's patting us on the back, you know, great job, great job. And I do see many years more growth and, uh, and good times ahead. What's the secret to the events? Because it seems like you, you guys have events all the time. And yeah. I mean, they're all, like, it's, you know, it's, it's great. It's like, it's, your branding is out there. Like, what, what, what's going on? How do you make that happen? The, uh, so events here, Sarah does a really good job of, bringing in everything from weddings to corporate events and things like that. We've made a lot of friends. Um, our, like our, 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 I've met a long time ago, my buddy uh, Jarrell from uh, Nomorama. Yep. Nomorama, I, I always, I'll probably, probably get mad if I say it wrong. But he interviewed me um, a long time ago, and we just kind of hit it off. Um, we laughed. We ate some burgers together. We drank some beers. And... Uh, but then he comes to us with like, this whole munchies market idea and this burger challenge. And we were like, we, I mean, I just said, I like, this is such a cool idea, let's do it. So I think putting on, it's like you put that first event on and people see the space. And then there's people who just come out of the woodworks and say, hey, we want, and we want them to be successful. We want to be able to host that type of stuff here. Like crafted, like the first year, I remember thinking to myself, okay, so what's the premise? Well, we're going to put up, 80 booths and you know artisans around the state are going to come in and they're going to sell their earrings and their necklaces and stuff like that and I just kind of sat there and I was like yeah it's yeah whatever you know that sounds cool it's not my cup of tea that thing draws thousands and thousands and thousands of people to our property wow and what we've what's so funny and me and my wife will get here she'll go over to the tent and shop for like Christmas or whatever's going <laughs> Gotta on. Gotta do that. And then you come inside and it's like every every husband, boyfriend is in here having beers while they just go out there and spend all the money. So, yeah. you know, uh, Michelle Odom, who puts that on, she's like, can we do it again next year? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a win-win. She's she's doing well and we're doing well. And, and again, with Jarrell, we, we just constantly do stuff with him. Um, but then the other events, you know, the you know, Ruse and stuff like that, that's just that's the brainchild of the company. That's my wife and uh, Sarah getting together. Hey, we got this idea. Uh, we partnered with Lava and had, uh, had Charles Bradley here playing music, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we've had some we had we've had some bands here. That I had no idea who they were, but next thing you know, there's 2,500 people here, and I'm like, who are these Whoa. kids? You know, and they're coming in on tour buses. I'm like, what's going on? So it's been. Uh, it's been wild, uh, but it's, but again, I think having this venue allows to keep putting events on, and we post every probably every politician both sides of the fence. You know, that's one thing. It's everybody's. Well, what side do you go for? And I'm like, it's none of your business. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm an equal opportunist when it comes to. Yeah, you gotta be the business guy at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, so, but it's a you know, but it's been fun. We have. 420 this year we have uh, Virginia Normal coming back in uh, we're going to do a legalized event here we did we did the first legalized event in Virginia last year 
and had a lot of politicians in the panel and I had to moderate the panel which I thought was, I thought was hilarious because it was just seeing what their real thoughts are in real life because you know I guess what better way to loosen people up with beer and then they start talking about marijuana yeah yeah hand like, in hand <laughs> yeah here we go so that was a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to this event coming up as well so nice no that's great I guess what would you say to your younger self now to kind of know like I mean you've been doing this you know this is coming up 10 years right yeah. so like I mean is like how would you what advice would you give to yourself Oh man, you reflect back like that. Relax more. Uh, It'll work out. It's, yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> fine. You know, it's uh, every entrepreneur. I have to believe has those sleepless nights. Like I don't think that like I'm about, I'm driving off a cliff and, and we're gonna go bankrupt tomorrow or anything like that. And I don't really like to believe that people should be motivated by fear. Um, but you need to take time to celebrate your successes. And sometimes I think entrepreneurs don't do that enough. They don't stop and say, you know what, that was a great weekend. Pat yourself on the back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because if you don't do that, because um, no one else is, you know, that old saying, it's lonely at the top kind of thing. Sometimes there it is. You know, you're having a frustrating day. You can't go kick the trash can, you can't yell at anybody. You can't walk out of here upset because they're out there depending on, I guess, me to make sure that this roof is over their head. They're going to reflect what how exactly. you behave. So I, that's one thing that's really challenging uh, is that you, you have to hold a lot of stuff in. You know, it's not going your way today, but you've got to be hopeful tomorrow is going to be just another day and you're going to pick yourself up and get right back at it. Um, there's been setbacks these nine and a half years I mean there's there always is you just gotta kinda shake it off and move forward um, if you know, the, the door slams in your face go to the next door um, you're gonna get no's um, but I think the true test is that you just get back up and you just keep moving forward perfect well Kevin I appreciate your yeah. time where can everyone kinda find you online do you prefer uh, Instagram Facebook yeah yeah O'Connor Brewing at uh, Instagram O'Connor Brewing at Facebook you can find us at all the grocery stores around the state now uh, so it's uh, I think we're pretty much out there perfect check it out appreciate it hey thank you man I appreciate it thank you